Well, welcome to church, everybody. We're so glad you're here. Do me a favor real quick. Bump your neighbor and say it's going to be a good day. Come on, it's going to be a good day. Hey, we've got cold weather the week of Christmas. What are we going to do with that? Anybody excited? Come on. I mean, you're going to be able to wear something other than shorts on Christmas Day. Look out, everybody. I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up, okay? So I'm just going to enjoy it. Before I jump into today's message, I want to take just a moment to invite you to some things that are happening. I think it's always important to recognize the season we're in and on with singing joy to the world and all the uh, all the kind of festivities but I want to make sure that you know uh, that we got uh, Christmas Eve services that are happening this week the first one is Friday night 7 p.m. come on that's Eve Eve everybody say that with me it's on the Eve Eve you can come Friday night if you got some traveling going on and then Saturday on Christmas Eve we've got 8 a.m. and 9 30 a.m. to make it easy for you to come there will be no live services on Christmas day we're just figuring you're hanging out with the family, all right? So go, go eat some good, wear loose pants on Sunday, all right? And, and just enjoy the day with your family. And uh, I also just want to say that uh, this, this coming weekend that your invitation uh, to our candle lighting services where we celebrate Jesus could be your greatest gift this year to just stop and say, hey, 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 life's going too crazy. Why don't we stop and sing some of our favorite carols? Why don't we really remember the reason for the season? I know it's kind of one of those colloquial things we say and it's kind of fun, it's cute, but there, there is something about stopping and, and lighting candles together, singing silent night, uh, really beginning new traditions. So I want to encourage you uh, to be that light in this season. You're going to meet so many people. Uh, some of y'all still have not even started your Christmas shopping, right? And so you're going to be stressed. And in your stress, you need to invite somebody to church, okay? That's going to help you to kind of settle down a little bit. I also want you to know that on January 1, which is the following Sunday after Christmas, we will only have two services that morning, 9.30 a.m. and 11, because some of y'all are going to be partaying too much the night before. And so some of my 8 a.m. crew, you know, you know, you, you're the early crew. You're going to sleep in a little bit come 930 and 11. It's going to be a great year in review. We got a lot to celebrate this year, right? We got a lot of great things God has done. And so the year in review is always kind of funny, kind of fun and funny. Uh, occasionally they break out some of my bloopers, okay? And so I'm not predicting. I'm hoping not. You know that our production team takes my bloopers and makes them memes, I'm not going to show you one of those, but maybe, maybe at some point I will. They, they love to, to have a good time with me. But last, last thing I want you to know is that we're going to begin uh, January 8th, a brand new series that we simply titled Brand New. It's a brand new year. We're in a brand new place. We've got some brand new expectations of what God is going to do in our lives. And on January 8th, we'll also begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you're unfamiliar with that, there's lots of resources on our website, and I'll tell you more about it in the coming weeks. But uh, we're going to kick the new year off running. You got, your, you got your kicks on. Everybody got your tennis shoes on, right? It's going to be a new year that's got lots of energy and lots of fun. And uh, it's no secret, I, I say it a lot around here, especially in this season, that that I, as I'm getting older, I'm just more and more enjoying Christmas. I, I kind of, I like this season. My wife, uh, we, some people say, I just love buying gifts. My wife says that I love buying gifts for myself in this season. Anybody like to do that? I, I, I buy things and she says, oh, that's going to go under the tree, right? I'm like, no, no, no. I just got, you can just tell me Merry Christmas now. That's part of adulting, isn't it? I'm always, I'm always dreaming in this season of a white Christmas. 
If, if you're born and raised here, the last time that we actually had real snow on Christmas Day was 2004. How many of you know that's a long time ago, right? 2004. And that happens to be the one and only Christmas of Amber and our lives that we were not here. We had just moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and, and, and we were together, just she and I. I'm like, we're not going back for Christmas. We're staying. We're, we're, we got new jobs. We got, you can't travel. We got too much going on. Worst decision of my life, fellas. Can I just tell you? Because she cried on Christmas Day as our family sent the worst videos of real snow because in 2004, cameras weren't the same, right? And so like, it was kind of pixelated. Like, is that snow? What is that white stuff? And, 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 and so I, I made a vow that year that we would be with our families on Christmas, right? That we would, uh, we would make sure that we spent time together. And uh, when I was younger, I really didn't appreciate family traditions, but I'm just starting to feel it more. I just am. And, and if you're a young person, maybe even a teenager in the room, I understand it can get real focused on gift purchasing or gift getting, all that kind of stuff. But there, there's something about slowing down and just enjoying the traditions. I, I enjoy uh, o- opening presents. Uh, do you do it on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Come on, Christmas Day. Show me those hands real quick. Christmas Day? Christmas Day? Anybody on Christmas Eve? It just depends on who you're with, right? right? So we, we, got, we do multiple family things. I got a big Italian family. And so we kind of open different times. Um, you de- did you decorate your house this year or just skipped it because it's been too crazy, right? I- I'll tell you this. If you invite my children over, they're, they're judging your holiday spirit on your house decor. <laughs> they walk in and they're, they're making judgments. That's, that's children these days. I think, I think kids really kind of, especially the younger, they, they bring a lot of joy in the season. And I read this week about two young boys who were spending the night at their grandparents' at bedtime. The two boys knelt beside their beds to say their prayers. And when the youngest one began praying, he began praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for new games. Anybody got a kid like this in your family? I pray for a new PlayStation. Is that even a thing anymore? Yes, it is, right? And his older brother leaned over and nudged him. The younger brother and said, listen, listen, you, you, you know that, that you don't have to shout your prayers. God is in death. And he said, I know, but grandma is. I need to make sure that she knows what I'm looking for in this season. And today, you don't have to shout him anymore. You just, you just share your Amazon wish list. Come on now, right? You young people don't even know how hard it was. We have to, we have to like, you know, put in our orders. We have to send in paper. Anybody know what paper is around here? <laughs> young people. So like our traditions are changing. And I think that's one of the most challenging parts of the season, especially when traditions begin to change. Because you, you grew up in a certain family environment, you did certain things, and then, then possibly that tradition has changed. Maybe someone's gone on to meet the Lord, and, and we're not there anymore. Maybe, maybe some challenges have happened in your family, and when traditions are forced to change, uh, they, they, we, we tend to get stuck in the season. Today, I want to help you to understand that as much as, as we love our traditions, we need to realize that our traditions have to grow. It's one of the things that the Apostle Paul alluded to quite often in the New Testament of your Bible. He would say things like, hey, keep with the traditions I taught you. Like, what? Okay. And then he would say, forget the traditions you were taught in the next breath. I'm like, well, which one is it, Paul? Are traditions bad? No. Come on, say it with me. Traditions are not bad. No, no, no. They're not bad. Uh, What is bad is when your traditions stop growing. 
When they stop growing with your family, when you, you thought that everything was going to look like it used to look, and you get stuck in that mindset, and today I want to help you to, to kind of open your heart to hope again that your traditions, the things that have changed, are just getting better. They're not getting worse. Christmas may look different this year, but that's okay because you're growing. And what I love about this time of year is that God, God sent hope to a hopeless generation and he sent hope in one of the darkest times in the world. If you're unfamiliar, Christmas is in obviously the winter time, although we could get confused about that here in South Louisiana. It's also in the darkest part of the year. December 21st is the winter solstice. And because of the earth's till, it's going to be the longest night of the year and the shortest time of daylight. It's physically the darkest time of the year. Did you know that? We're living in the the darkest physical time of the year. And so Christmas shows up, not only when we have external darkness that we're sensing and feeling in reality, but it also is a time where God wants to help us to deal with some of the darkness that's internal. That he wants us to begin to hope again and, and to have expectation that we haven't lost what he always planned for us to have. I believe that Christmas is all about the light piercing the darkness in our lives. And our tradition around here is to bring you this message of hope in this season because as all the pressure mounts, we tend to become a little bit hopeless. And I believe that just as we kicked off the series last week talking about the ungrateful nine, we talked about how that gratefulness begins to change your attitude in this season. I believe that today as we talk about a hopeful God, that you're going to begin to stir some fresh excitement and joy. And you're going you're gonna to go to your family traditions where sometimes it gets a little crazy, right? You're going to go to those traditions with an expectation of hope and of joy and of laughter. And I want to just renew your sense of hope today. In the Old Testament uh, of your Bible, there's a man named Job. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, you can just go to the book of Job, all right? That's a, uh, <laughs> most of you, when you see the title, you say, I'm not reading that book. I don't want a job, right? Uh, who wants that? Job is his name. And it's a story of his interaction with God and how the enemy attacked his life and really destroyed his family. And Job is in the middle of facing a whole new tradition. He, he's in the middle of like, engaging with the holiday season without people he loves. He's having to go through that process. This is very real, is it not? That we're all considering what that looks like. This is Job, and he asked, on his darkest day, he asked this question. It's going to be on every screen. Job 17 and 13. He said, where then is my, come on, say, is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? I think it's a very real question, and it's an honest one for all of our lives, and today I want to tell you that I believe that there's real hope in Jesus. See, there's a lot of places you can look, and most people look for hope in something temporal, and I just need to break it to you, that new shirt isn't going to change your hope situation, right? That new car smell is not really going to give you hope, all right? It's just going to mask what is really going on on the inside. And so Job asks, he's like, where, where is my hope? And if you are in a situation where you feel like this can't change, it's always been this way. Today, I want you to leave with some hope in your heart. I want you to, I want you to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question and watch how God answers it because temporal things 
temporary things can't fill the void in our lives. Listen to how the Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17. He says, command those who are rich. And I, I put a little extra in there. Every one of us says that's someone else, all right? I, I just want you to know that when, whenever I say, he says, command those who are rich, you're like, oh, you're talking to somebody else, right? No, 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 no. Paul is talking to you. He's talking to me. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Come on, read it with me, every voice. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God provides things for you to be happy? What? Wait, I thought Christianity was boring and drab and painful and hard and I just got to suffer through with God. No, no. He said, I've given you stuff to be excited about. like, Like, I don't find my hope in temporary things, but when you find your hope in God and temporary things show up too, come on, somebody, that's a good time. One of my dear friends sent me a gift basket this week with all sorts of stuff. And I started like, man, there's chocolate, there's cookies, there's cheese, there's meat. So like it's one of those Harry and David kind of gift baskets. I'm like, this is everything I want because I'm a high protein, high sugar guy, right? I want to eat healthy right before I eat really badly, right? <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I-, I love that that Paul tells Timothy, like, command those who sometimes get lost in how much they have. Command those people not to lose sight of the fact that there's something to hope for in this life, that there is something to believe in, that there's more to this life than this life. And if you'll begin to hope in God, you'll realize that he's richly provided all things for you to enjoy. And I've just, I have my hope expectation, right? Hope is anticipation with pleasure. If you want to define it, hope is anticipating something with pleasure. It's not going to be on screen. It's you're waiting on it, but you're excited about what it's going to be like. He said, I I want you to set your hope on God because if you do, you're going to begin to enjoy everything else more than you did if you didn't hope in God. So where then, according to Job, is your hope? Where, where is your anticipation with pleasure? Where have you set your eyes in this season? Is it just set on everything else? Or is it set on our, uh, our one and only God? Is, it, is our true hope really set on God? Romans 15 and 13, again, the Apostle Paul. I'm just giving you a few verses here in the beginning because I think truth helps to kind of stir your heart. He says, may God... The source of hope. Would you say those four words? The source of hope. Fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. Then you'll overflow with what? Hope. When your source of hope is God, all of a sudden there's joy, there's laughter, there's excitement, there's peace in your life. Uh, who could stand for a little more joy and peace today? Anybody? 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 Anybody need a little joy and peace? Uh, and, and I always feel like that my job as a pastor is, is to kind of stir. That's why we named the church One Hope, is to stir that in you again, because I think we just get so narrowly focused on the one thing that didn't happen that we stop enjoying life. And there is so much, even the bad things you can make fun of. Y'all know that, right? Even the things that go wrong, you can laugh about. 
You know, uh, we're, we're only a few weeks. Is this the fourth Sunday? Is this the fourth Sunday we're in this building? Isn't it exciting, right? Uh, we've had so many great things happen here. We've had sound problems. It's been great. It rained in the building last Sunday, right? right? We, we've, had, we've had some things happen. And you could cry over it or you could laugh about it. And hopeless people, you know what they do? They cry. Hopeful people, you know what they do? They go, look what the Lord has done, right? <laughs> I, I was talking with someone. They were laughing about how I said when it was raining, literally in this service last Sunday, how I said, that's just Holy Ghost drip. That's what it is, right? <laughs> Some of y'all looking for a, tr- a shoe drip? No, no, no. <laughs> when your source of hope is God, a little rain ain't going to change your life right? When your source of hope is God, a little frustration isn't going to change your future. And and listen, I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you because you have to keep reminding yourself, don't get lost. Don't get lost in the little things that have happened. And and I know you could break out the laundry list. Well, this pastor, well, this pastor, listen, you know what I do? I write a hope list next to my hopeless list. And I write all the things that I've been hopeless about throughout history in my life. And I write down all the times that God answers them, right? And then when I start reading all those, I look at the ones that he hasn't answered yet. And I say, well, God, if you didn't, you hadn't done it yet, but look at all the ones you've done. Right? I begin to build up this joy and peace in my life because I, I'm able to say, well, well, yeah, well, do y'all, do y'all know that the year we launched our church, my home in Birmingham burnt down? We were renting it out, had an electrical fire. It took us four years to recover financially and buy a house here. But can I tell you, every time I walk around my house, even when we have problems, I say, God, you gave us twice as much space to run from my kids. Praise God, right? God, thank you. Thank you that we've got, I just give glory to God. Do you know that the person I bought my house from was so ready to get rid of it that, that they sold it to us with equity the day of? And the equity that was in the house was as much as what I lost in the other house burning down. Y'all realize? So, I'm not hoping your house burns down, okay? It's not fun at all. Literally, the week of Thanksgiving, my neighbor in Birmingham, if you're unfamiliar, we lived there for a while and then moved back home to New Orleans. My neighbor in Birmingham sent me a picture of 70-foot flames at the top of our home there. It wasn't a great moment, but God turned it into a great situation, right? And I used to, I used to in those three years while I was waiting, y'all, some of y'all remember, I used to say, listen, it hasn't happened yet, but, but when it happens, I will dance, and I will have joy, and I will give thanks. I'm not going to dance today. Some of y'all thought it was going to happen, right? I'm trying to stir some expectation inside of you to stop expecting the worst, but to start hoping for the best. Because your source of hope is God. And the Bible clearly says that if you'll hope in him, if you'll put your expectation in him, he'll give you joy and peace. And then you'll overflow. Today, I just want you to know I'm overflowing. And if you get close to me, it's going to get on you. Right? A little bit of hope is going to show up. Stop. Stop expecting the worst. Come on, say it with me. I'm going to hope in God. Come on, say it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope in God. I'm going to hope in God. How do you do this? Well, I recommend doing five different things. I recommend in this season doing five very simple things. And some of you guys who've been around church for a long time, you're going to be like, I've heard that before. I know the issue with faith isn't about hearing something. It's actually doing something. 
So many of us have heard so much. We've seen people like me get up and be a hype man. Come on, we leave with all the hype and then we leave with none of the how-to. Today, I want you not to just be stirred. I want you to bring this party, this spirit, this mindset to every interaction in this season. You don't need three drinks to cope with the work party, everybody. You need the Holy Spirit. You, you, you don't need all the things that the world says. You, you need to set aside some time to hope in God. And so come on, take some notes with me. I'm going to give you five things that I recommend that if you'll do these five, they offer hope in a very unique way. And if you say, well, pastor, that, that one, when I get to them, you're going to say, well, that's not a revelation. I, I get it. If you don't have hope, it's because you may not be practicing what you've been hearing. And today, I want to make sure that you're practicing what we're preaching around here. Here's the first one. I recommend, the first thing I recommend is I recommend getting in God's presence. As we head to the end of this year and we head into the new year, how do you get in God's presence? Well, we try to, to make sure on Sundays that you can get in God's presence, but, but if you're only getting in God's presence once a week, do you realize you're missing out? Every day in the car could be God's presence. You could worship God in every environment. And I want to encourage you to begin to practice God's presence. In 2020, we had a, a family that was restored to the church. They went through some really hard times, as we all did in that season. And, and, and they, they decided to risk it, to kind of get back into church physically. Like, hey, I'm coming. I'm going to be there. And after about four or five weeks in, uh, he, he just pulled me on the side and said, listen, I, I don't know what's going on, but like, this is better than any therapy session I've ever been to in my life. I looked at him, I said, well, I'm not a therapist, praise God. <laughs> Don't think I want to do that every day of my life. But he began to realize that by getting in God's presence, he be God begins to do what God does. And what a great therapist helps you to do is they help you to begin to process things and put them in places where they're supposed to be in your life. And worship is learning the presence of God. This is something we try to teach even in One Hope Kids. If you go to the kids service, we want to make sure that as your kids get older, they can recognize the presence of God. That they can recognize where God is and where God is not. It'll save them getting your kids in church every Sunday in the new year. Why? Because they're going to learn the presence of God and they're going to walk into other places later in life and they're just going to say, I don't know why, but I don't want to be there. You know, my, my parents, um, they taught us lots of things, uh, but I'll, I'll say my, 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 my dad especially didn't beat the drum of like, stay away from drugs. And it, like, we, like they said those things, but it wasn't like I always say those things. It was just like they were always diligent about the positive, about getting us in God's presence. Whether it was student camp or a student kids conference, there was always something that they were immersing us in because my parents wanted us to know God's presence. And I, when I first started working, my first job, I, I was working uh, through a summer on, with a construction crew. And I, I, listen, construction crews curse worse than sailors, all right? Like it's a, it's, a, it's a rough environment. And there happened to be a couple of guys that as soon as it got to the end of the day, they, they wanted to smoke some herb at the end of the day, all right? Uh, yeah, it, like so every day we work 7 to 3.30 and at 3.30 they would light up and that's, that's how they would live. And, and, and I, was just, I was just 15 at the time and they were always coming by and saying, hey, do you want this? But can I just tell you that there was something inside of me? I, don't, I, I didn't even know that it was that bad. Y'all hear me? 
there was something inside of me that thought the first time I smoked that I was going to die. In case y'all don't know, that's my dad, okay? He talks back in services sometimes. I had an internal, can't explain it, godly fear that if I touched certain things in certain places, I was done. Some of y'all have seared that conscience pretty far. <laughs> but it's time to get back to God's presence. It's time to get back to recognizing that, listen, a moment with God is better than smoking anything. Listen, listen, our world is elevating everything else. We have to get back to elevating God's presence. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm 62 and 5. says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. The beginning of the new year, we're going to be spending some extra time in God's presence. 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of like saying, I'm going to seek God and and I'm trying to stir it in your heart about God's presence now because there are things in your life that you've been praying for years or hoping for years would change, but you've never considered God's presence as the answer. Today, I just want to stir that, that maybe if you prayed for 21 days and maybe if you fasted the herb, come on, somebody, right? May, <laughs> I actually know a young man that did that. He came and said, for 21 days, I'm going to fast smoking weed. His life was completely changed at the end of it. I challenge you. I challenge you to pray instead of doing those other things. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I'm talking to you, though. I know that, right? I I want you to consider maybe just seeking God for 21 days and seeing what God wouldn't do. You tried everything else. How about God's presence? Come on, you've tried everything else. How about God's presence? Uh, Isaiah 40 and 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Talk about get high. Come on, everybody. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Are you feeling tired at the end of this year? It's time to hope in God and that happens in God's presence. I'm committed to God's presence. I'm committed to getting anywhere I can, to getting God's presence. I'm not gonna preach all five this long. I'm just staying here for a long time because I think this is the one because all the others help you to get in number one, right? But some of y'all know that uh, I've kind of gone back to doing something I did when I was younger. I used to, I used to ride motorcycles when I was younger. And so I, I started riding again over the last few years because I, I just felt like I needed something to kind of get away on my own. And there is nothing like going on a prayer ride. My, my family teases and says, before we found this building, I used to ride my truck or my motorcycle around the city and pray in the Holy Spirit and ask God to lead me to a place. I used to drive circles around. I do it consistently. And every time I begin to feel anxious and hopeless, I find myself on a ride with God. 
I don't know where your spot is. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's sitting on the levee and looking out at the lake. Maybe it's sitting in a spot under an oak tree somewhere. For me, it's gotten to be a little, little Bluetooth speaker with my helmet on, right? And just riding as far until I feel like I overcome the fear, till I feel like I overcome the hopeless. I just ride until it's done, right? And I feel like I overcome it. And then on the way back, I put on a little country music, y'all. Some of y'all just think less of me now. It's okay. God's presence. Would you say it with me? God's presence. You need, here's the second, write it down with me. We need, we need God's promise in this season. Literally, uh, someone in our church who, who doesn't, didn't know what I'm speaking on today just literally asked me this question yesterday. How can I know for sure that what God promised long ago, that I can still expect that promise today? Well, I, I began to send her 13, 14 different verses where the only promises that the writers of the New Testament had were the Old Testament of your Bible. And that they were saying, well, God said this and I believe that. And then God did that, right? See, God's promises and how he's answered them in the past is an incredible predictor of how he will answer them in the future. Our second source is God's promise. What does the Bible actually say about your family, about your life, about your situation? We say, well, pastor, I don't know. Well, don't you think it's time to find out what God actually says first? I mean, so many people and say, I just wish God would speak to me. And I said, well, he wrote you 66 books. He, he wrote you, he, he had 40 authors over a thousand year period put together a historical account of what God says to people in situations so that you could just go back and say reference guide what do I do in this situation you're feeling hopeless about your spouse you're feeling hopeless about your job you're feeling hopeless about you fill in the blank what does God actually say Psalm 119 and 81 says, my soul faints with longing for your salvation. Sometimes we skip the first part to get to the good part. Do y'all realize that where he's at? My soul faints with longing for your salvation. I can't, that's like modern language, I can't take it anymore. But, would you read it with me? I have put my hope in your word. Why does he put his hope in God's word? Because God's word has proven to be true time and time again. And we have to get back to saying, what has God promised you? What has God said about your family? What has God said about your life? What has God said about your situation? Just this past year, as, as Amber was facing skin cancer at a pretty high level, it, it came as an announcement right in the middle of trying to finish up this building. And, and can I just tell you, you, you don't want to hear the word cancer ever, right? No one wants to hear it. But when you hear it, you, you have to begin to deal with what you're, 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 what's going on in your life. And immediately we begin to say, what has God done in the past and what has God promised us in the future? We worked through that, found hope, found some energy towards that, and then the doctor called and said, the next opportunity we have is in two months, and we can do the surgery to take care of the process. It just happens to be on her birthday. How many of y'all know that when the devil does stuff like that, you can either get down or you can start laughing? We laughed out loud and said, could the devil be any more obvious that he's trying to discourage us? Listen, I'm happy to tell you that she's cancer-free today, and God has done a great thing, right? Right? We believe in miracles, and we believe in doctors. Can you believe in both? Yeah. 
God created the doctors. I believe that God uses people, but here's the deal. Your hope can't be in the doctor. Your hope has to be in the promise. Listen to Lamentations. That's a book of someone who's lamenting all the bad stuff that happened in his life. So if you're feeling like you're in a lamenting kind of season, go read the book of Lamentations. Lamentations 3 and 21, he says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never, what? They never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We found this passage in the hardest times of life to remind ourselves that God has been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the future. We've got to get in God's presence We've got to remember God's promise. Number three, we need to begin to understand God's process. God does not process your life the same way we process it. He's God. And so the way that he works through things is differently than us. The Bible is very, very clear. God allows you and I to go through things that aren't enjoyable so that we will grow. You need to write that down somewhere. God allows me to go through some things that I don't like so that I'll grow. So are you in a season going through something that you don't like right now? It's probably because God wants you to grow right there. This is an unexpected source of hope, but when you begin to realize that God uses things for good and he turns them. Romans 5 and 2 says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Whoa, time out. You're happy about pain, Paul? You're like, you're rejoicing in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And then perseverance produces character. And character produces, come on, shout out at me. Character produces hope, right? It produces something in your life. We have a generation of people that have not been taught to process with God. And so they don't realize that what they're going through, God's allowing so that they will get perseverance and character and hope. And so they're hopeless and they're like, I don't know what to do. Well, you need to learn how to persevere, right? You have to press into this and realize that God is using what you're going through to build good things into your life. We need to redefine our troubles as, uh, as therapists love to call it. We need to redefine them by reframing them. This is an incredible process when you begin to reframe what you went through and frame it in the positive of what God will do. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was paying for my own sins, but now I've been forgiven. I once was broken, but now I'm healed. And if you're in any of those situations, you have to begin to reframe your words. You have to begin to speak like part of the process is saying, this is where I am, but praise God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to be there much longer because God is doing something. He's going to work it out for good. Listen, that's a word for someone here today. See, I think suffering ends up producing hope when you allow God to work the process. I know this is a poor example in this season, and it'll be a better example in January. But going to the gym rarely feels good the next day. You know that, right? If you haven't been to the gym in over a year and you go work out, how many of y'all know it's going to be hard to work the, uh, walk the next day, right? 
and be like, what happened to you? Did you ride a horse today? No, I squatted yesterday, right? That's what happened. I just, I just, I just, that's what. (laughs) But why do you go back? Because you finally become convinced that the process produces something better. And that if you'll keep going back, you won't be as sore. (laughs) News to some of y'all, all all right? If you go back regularly, you stop feeling that level of soreness. Instead of feeling soreness, you feel strength. And, And in your strength, you begin to persevere, right? And in your perseverance, you build up a character and a mindset that says, this process produces good things. Do you realize that one 20-minute walk that just barely elevates your heart rate is better than any antidepressant you can take today on the market? It's been scientifically measured. You can take the antidepressant and try to change the way you feel, or you can go on a walk and process the situation and allow your body to do what your body was designed to do. Again, I'll bring that one back in January. Can y'all stay with me? I've got two more real fast. Number four, God's purpose. God's purpose. I love sharing this with people because if you want hope, you need to find your purpose. You're always going to feel hopeless if you don't have a place where you make a difference with your life. And one of the greatest sources of hope is knowing that God has called you because the number one question in life is what on earth am I here for? You're not an accident. You were designed for a destiny. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you don't know what that is, our two-week Next Steps class is all about finding purpose in God. It takes two hours for us to help you to discover where you can start making a difference. Happens today, 5 p.m. You're 13 years old today and you say, I don't know why I exist. Go today at 5 p.m. You're 45 and you say, I still don't know why I'm here. I talked to a 64-year-old the other day and said, I don't know why I exist. And I said, will you go with me to the Next Steps class? Will you go? Why? Because even at 64, God has a purpose for your life. Amen, everybody? Right? It doesn't matter if you're still sucking air. There's a reason you're sucking air. There's a reason you're here today. You're not an accident. God has a purpose for your life. And hopeless people live purposeless lives. Hopeful people have connected themselves to purpose and they're making a difference. Proverbs 20 and 5 says the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Our team at 5 p.m. has insight. They have insight to how you were designed for a destiny and we've taught them and we've trained them and we've worked together to how to draw that out of you. It's going to blow your mind how closely connected to your purpose you really are and and you're going to say, why in the world was I living outside of it all this time? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, hope comes from God's presence, God's promise, God's process, God's purpose. And number five, hope comes from God's place. We say, well, pastor, you've already, you've already told us we need to get back in church more. I, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a heavenly place. I think we're putting too much stock in this life. I think we're expecting way too much from here. Older generations didn't speak much about the earth. They sang about heaven with songs like, I'll fly away, right? Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. There's going to be a moment when 
all the things that are hopeless here are fulfilled. And sometimes we have to begin to set our eyes that everything isn't going to happen here. It's going to happen in the hereafter in God's place. John 14 and 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. God has a place for you. 1 Peter 1, God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you. And God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting him. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though the going is rough for a while down here. As I close today, my heart is just to stir joy, peace, and hope we serve a hopeful God please don't put your hope in a financial plan don't put your hope in a government or a president they come and go but Jesus remains the same yesterday today and forever he said well I'm not so sure about that pastor you go dig into the history you do the hard work. You Google it. See what you found. As we close, would you bow with me in prayer? With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you have a sense that you're a little bit hopeless today, today I want to invite you to make the greatest decision of your life. I want to invite you to put your hope in God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I, I will not ask you to come to the front. If you're here today and you need to get close to him, just whisper this prayer with me. Would you say these words? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life my own way? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.